Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We today are going to talk about the name of Jesus. That's what our whole focus is today. Um, if you're a visitor, again, it's, it's good to have you guys. We do call ourselves a family, so by default, you're a part of the family today. If you're regular, always good to be with you. Um, over the last few weeks, we've been on this kind of topic about a focused life. We've been talking about what is a focused life look like. And we've talked about a focused life kind of based off of seeking first the kingdom of God. So that Matthew 6, 33 principle, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. Offering you guys to go ahead and just pass anytime. Since I kind of forgot that part too. So you guys just pass. And so, um, We've, we've talked about seeking first the kingdom of God, and, and so we talked about that word seek, just to catch you up real quick. That word seek means that your attention and your attraction and your affection are for what God desires. That before all other things, that what you're after, your attention, your attraction, your affection, is all for the things that God desires. That's why we seek first the kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. Okay. And then we talked about last week, a focused life is focused on the holiness of God. So his righteousness, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his holiness. God is holy. And so positionally, you and I are made holy by Jesus Christ, positionally. Now where we're trying to come in is behaviorally. We're trying to make sure that our behaviors line up with what the word says as well. So positionally, it says that we are without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle before God. That's because of what Jesus does for us. Behaviorally, however, he says to pursue holiness. That there are some things in our life that we've got to line up with the word of God. And so we talked about the magnitude of his holiness and going, man, God is holy. And what does that look like? And so we worked through that. And then today, we're going to talk about a focused life is focusing on his name. Everybody say Jesus. The name of Jesus and the names that we see in scripture that talk about God are so important. And so from that, I want to kind of dip a little bit into our position and promises that come from his name. Names carry power. Names carry power. In the old days, when a king would issue a decree, they would talk about the king was issuing the decree. And with that carried power, the king had a seal, a ring or a seal that he would put. And if it was sealed with the king's ring or his name, it meant that you better listen and do that. And so names carry power and prominence. Even in my day and age now, names carry power and prominence. I, I grew up with, with two other brothers. There's three of us, three, three brothers total. And uh, we grew up in a house where our mama, all right, she's four foot, maybe 11, all right? Like she's just this tiny, tiny, amazing mama, all right? And um, she, she had this thing that she could do because we were a little bit rowdy as boys, all right? We weren't, uh, I wouldn't say great straight-laced pastor's kids, if you will. And so my dad, you know, he was doing ministry, and so sometimes he would be off. And, and uh, my mom, um, when we would get in trouble and she was trying to discipline us, we, would, we had a tendency to just kind of laugh. We're like, you're f- four foot 11, all right? Like, you can spank us all you want to. And we, we would act like we cried, but we were laughing. Anybody do that? Right? But she had this thing that she could say, and I'm telling you, it was breakdown city. She would just simply say, you wait till your father gets home. The minute that she said the name father, death came over us. Anybody live in a house like that? 
Like the minute she said, wait till your father gets home, death came over us, we would cry for hours, hours, because that's the kind of power and prominence my dad could bring into a situation. Names carry power and names carry prominence. We can see this in our day and age today as well with, with celebrities that are out there. And, and, and just seeing, like, you throw out a celebrity name and everybody oohs and, and awes about that. In fact, I was, I was looking up some of the names of the celebrity. You guys know who John Wayne is, right? Unless you're younger, you know who John Wayne is. Maybe one of the greatest actors of all time, I'm just saying. Do you, do you know that when you say the nom- name John Wayne, everybody's like, oh, the Duke. Like, everybody knows it, right? But do you know what his real name is? Marion Michael Morrison, all right? Like all of a sudden, you walk around and you say, do you know Marion? Everybody goes, you're weird, right? It's John Wayne. I was looking up other names. Some of you guys know the, the, uh, the artist Pink, like she's a singer, apparently, okay? And you guys know Pink out there? Like you say Pink, and everybody's like, oh, I know Pink. You know what her real name is? Alicia Beth Moore. She, she's got a Beth Moore name, all right? Like I'm picturing this going like that doesn't carry with it the weight. You guys know what I'm talking about. It just doesn't carry with it. The weight. And so biblically, they also, when they named their kids, or biblically, you can read in scripture where names carried prominence. And so it told you a little bit about somebody's life. So you've got Esau. Esau meant Harry. How many of you guys think that Esau was Harry? He was, right? You got Jacob, his brother. Jacob meant heel holder or deceiver because when Jacob came out, it says they were twins. It says he was holding the heel of Esau. So this is how they named their kids. In fact, names carry with it so much prominence at times that if somebody has done something wicked or somebody has done something bad, typically we don't name our kids that, right? Like I think about in Scripture, the name Jezebel. I don't see a whole lot of girls running around that we call Jezebel, right? Or Herod. I don't see a lot of boys who are like, hey, Herod, good to meet you. Anybody know a Herod out there? Yeah, okay, one. All right, cool. We, we don't see a whole lot of that. We don't see a whole lot of names like that because maybe for some that carried with it some kind of significance that they read about that they didn't particularly like. And no other name has drawn so much admiration, conflict, struggle, strife, peace, war, you name it. No other name has drawn so much of that than the name of Jesus. Mention the name of Jesus and you will get a reaction one way or another. Mention the name of Jesus and you will get a reaction one way or another. I don't know how many of you guys uh, follow up on current events. You guys know who Kanye West is? Yeah? So, so Kanye West has had this awesome encounter with the Lord. And when I say that, I want you to hear what, what I'm saying. The, he, he is being blasted. But you know who he's being blasted by? Other Christians. I don't know if he really gave his life to the Lord. I'm like, have you read about Saul's conversion? Right? Here's a guy living for the world who once called himself God, gets blasted by the Lord, has given his life to Jesus, and now he's releasing or has released an album called King Jesus. Now let me tell you what I love about this. What I love about this is that Kanye is going, so he's married to one of the Kardashians. I feel like I know things, all right? And I really don't. I had to Google most of this stuff. My kids are like, Dad, you act like you know what you're talking about. Um, but... 
he released this album called King Jesus, and so he's on Jimmy Kimmel, and you know, he's on all these late night show you know, hosts of all these guys, and, and all of these people who probably have never really uttered these words very often, they're, they're asking, and they're constantly saying, King Jesus. So tell us about this King Jesus. So tell us about this King Jesus album. So tell us what King Jesus is all about. So here you have these people, whether or not they have a relationship with the Lord or not, that's not for me to judge, but these people who probably don't ever talk about the name Jesus, and they're uttering it over and over and over and over again. Why? Because God got a hold of Kanye's life and had him put an album out called King Jesus. And so in that, what's happened? Controversy now. Controversy is swirling. Is he a believer? Is he not a believer? What is this? What does this look like? And all of a sudden, man, it's just taking things by storm. Here's what I love about this. I love about this because, and, and, and why I think this is so important, is you mention the name of Jesus and everything changes. One way or another. Everything changes. And I'm just wondering sometimes if we teach Christianity without first the presence of Jesus. Like if we're teaching Christianity without the presence of Jesus. We're trying to teach people to be good Christians without the presence of Jesus. I was thinking about it like this. Like if all we want is the benefits but we don't want to know the benefactor. Like, hey, if you can just give me the benefits, I don't need to know where it comes from. And I think that's a tragedy. Amen, church? I think there's a tragedy when we want the benefits, but we just simply don't really care, or, or we're just not invested, or we're just not putting our time and attention and affections into the benefactor. Because the benefits don't come without the benefactor. And I'm wondering for some of us, if sometimes we fall into this thing called Christianity without the presence of Jesus first. And then we go through, and you know, we've worked through this before, but then we go through and we're wondering why we're constantly on this wave, because we're trying to do the rights and trying to do the rules, and we're trying to do all the, you should, you should, you should, but we don't have the person of Jesus first. And so we wonder why we phase out and fizzle out, why we drop the ball, because we're dropping the ball on a system and not a person. That's what our mindset is. Look, if I don't get into my devotions, if I don't go to church, if I don't jo do a Bible study, if I don't pray, if I don't, if I don't join life groups, if I don't do any of those things, in my mind, I'm just like, look, it's just a system. It's not that big of a deal. But if I'm in relationship with a person and I don't interact with that person, I've got issues. Amen? I'm, I'm, I'm truly wondering if we think about it from that marriage context. You drop the ball on marriage. If I drop the ball on my marriage, I don't get to say, well, you know, I just dropped the ball on a system. That was it. I've got to look that woman in the face every single day and see who I drop the ball on. Amen? We're in relationship with one another, and that makes it tough. And so, so I'm wondering this morning if we're, ask, if we're asking God, we're getting ready to go into the Christmas holiday season and Thanksgiving and all that stuff. If we're asking God for hope, if we're asking God for peace, if we're asking God for comfort, if we're asking God to alleviate suffering, if we're asking God for all those things, and yet, first of all, we're chasing those things Versus chasing the one who brings those things. And that's why when I talk about a focused life, let's focus on who brings life first. Amen? And so there's just something I want to start off with this morning. And I just want to say there is power in Jesus' name. Everybody say power. Now say power in Jesus. There is power in Jesus' name. Proverbs 18.10, King Solomon, one of the wisest men to ever live. We know this scripture says, Solomon, the Lord said he'd give anything to Solomon. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, he's going to ask for riches and money and da-da-da-da. And Solomon asked the Lord for wisdom. 
And so it says that Solomon was the wisest man outside of Jesus to ever live. And he writes in Proverbs 18.10, The name of the Lord, the name of the Lord is like a strong tower. The righteous person runs to it. Everybody say runs. The righteous person runs to it and is set safely on high. So Solomon, in his wisdom, he's likening to something in their time frame that's got stature and status and strength. And it's got this mentality of going, yes, this is what it is. And he's going, look, the name of the Lord, if I could put it, the name of the Lord is like, it's like, like a strong tower. And those who are righteous... Those who desire righteousness, those who want those things in their life, they're running to it. They're running to the name of the Lord before all things. And there's something that draws us to the name of Jesus. Like I'm, I'm watching people, and they're living their life, and in, in 20 years of ministry, I'm watching people, and they'll hit their place, they'll hit their rock bottom, They'll hit their place where they feel like they can't get out. They'll hit their place where they feel trapped. And you can work through all things with them. You can be like, well, let's, have, you tried, have, you, you know, have you done this? What, what about this? Have you tried to do, you know, what about, what about, what about? But the only thing that I've ever seen that's truly worked is the name of Jesus. And I think that there's a reason. I think there's a reason that when you share the name of Jesus, he changes all things. Yet... It's a bit tragic right now. And the tragedy is that I think uh, we've kind of backed away from using the name of Jesus in everyday language. We've backed away from using the name of Jesus in everyday actions and everyday words and everyday conversations out of fear of what the name of Jesus is going to cause in that place. And so we've lessened the name of Jesus. We've lessened using the name of Jesus. We've just kind of diminished a little bit. Like, hey, are you a, a Jesus lover? Yes, I'm a Christian, right? Like we've just backed away from that because we know that that's going to somehow stir somebody's heart one way or another. Yet when Jesus in his last hours was praying for his disciples, listen to what he prayed in John 17. Listen, so Jesus is in his last hours. He's on his knees before his father. This is such an important chapter, by the way, John 17. Okay, he's getting ready to go to the cross. Anytime, like, Jesus is kind of in those last hours, like, really latch into this. John 17, Jesus is in his last hours, and he says this. He's crying out to his father. He's praying for his disciples, and here's what he says. I will remain in the world no longer. He knows that he's getting ready to leave. But they, my disciples, are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, listen to what he says. Protect them by the power of your what? Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that what? Name you gave me. So there's something profound about this name of Jesus that he knows and he's praying for, for his disciples and for you and I, that he's saying, look, protection comes from the name of Jesus. Protection comes from the name of Jesus. He's like a strong tower and the righteous should run to the name of Jesus. Not run away from it. Not be embarrassed by it. 
not be ashamed because of it, not back down because of the controversy the name of Jesus can stir, but run to it. The Bible declares that there's power in Jesus' name. At your name, Scripture says, every knee shall bow and confess. Let me just run through a few Scriptures that I want to I highlight here. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every other name. Now listen to me. He gave them the name that is above every other name. Now you think about the names that are prominent. Michael Jordan, right? LeBron James, no, not so much, right? Like you think about the names that, 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 are, that are Joe Montana. Like you throw that out to kids these days, they're like, I don't know who that is, right? You think about names that were prominent or that are prominent today, and here's what he's trying to say. He goes, look, God gave Jesus the name above every other name. There's no one, nothing, no famous person, no king, no president, nobody who was, nobody who is to come that will ever have this name. And then he says that at the name of Jesus, says it twice, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge <coughs> that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I was at the K-State game yesterday. I don't want to talk about it, all right? But I was at the K-State game. I uh, got to, to go up there. Somebody had given us some tickets, so Christian and I went up there. And uh, there's a, a, the stadium up there is named the, the Bill Snyder Family Stadium, right? And so, um, you know, he, this was, last year was his last year, new coach comes in. And so they did a big, like, honoring ceremony of Bill Snyder. It was really cool, um, really, you know, it, it was. It was very honoring. It was really cool to see the pictures and all that. But one of the pictures that popped up that somebody had drawn, and so they, they were talking about, like, all the things that Bill Snyder had done for Manhattan and K-State football and all that kind of stuff. But one of the pictures had him painted as the Savior. Basically, they removed the head of Jesus and they put... They put Bill Snyder on there. And I, was, I had like this awkward like, <laughs> whoa, is that sacrilegious, right, moment? Because in that moment, everybody laughed and it was just fun. It wasn't, you know, obviously it wasn't meant to like stir something up. But in that moment, literally, I kind of was like catching myself going, oh, yeah, yeah, Savior, right? Yeah. And I thought for just a moment right there, I wonder if sometimes we don't idolize people more than we idolize him. If we don't have an idolization of people more than we have an affection, attraction, attention of Jesus. Like here we are and we're honoring this guy and, and it's great. He, I mean, for football. Like he, like it's great, right? Whatever. Jesus came and died on the cross for the salvation of all humanity. And we don't name stadiums after him. Why? We name stadiums after guys who, and, and again, huge K-State fan, right? Huge K-State fan. Kind of feel bad for even saying this. But we name it after a guy who came in and turned a horrible program around. Guy gives his life for all of eternity, for all humanity. And we don't put his name on anything. I just wonder, church, in, in, in some way, shape, or form, if some of us don't idolize people more so than we idolize the creator of the universe. Or... Maybe we don't run to other, maybe some of us run to other people before we ever run to Jesus. Let me say it like that. Um, real quickly, at your name, at your name, we are saved. Peter says, 
in Acts 4.12, there is none other, there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other name, only the name of Jesus. Paul says in Romans 10.13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Th this is important. There's nothing else that can save you. We need to know this. I think at times we forget we are saved by one name. We're not saved because we put effort in. We're not saved because of goodness. We're not saved because I was a good guy. I hear this all the time. I do, and, and, and my heart goes out for when you get stuck in this mode of going, I think that I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as goodness. It's, it's scripture says, like, my most righteous, my, my most good deeds, the best, best, best day I've ever had is like filthy rags to a holy God. And so he's, he's literally telling you and I, like, at your name, we are saved. There's no one else, there's nothing else that you are going to go after, that you're going to chase after, that you're going to give your affection, your time, and your attentions to, that's going to save you outside of the name of Jesus. Number three, at your name, the enemy must submit. The enemy must submit. Luke chapter 10, verse 17 um, Jesus has just sent out 72 people, disciples, so he's been training up his disciples, and now he's like, now go out there, like I want you to go out and share the hope, share the gospel, share the truth, like go from village to village to village, and, and so he, and we're, we're going to talk about this here in a minute, but he, doesn't, he tells them to take nothing, I'm going to tell you why that's important here in just a minute, but in Luke chapter 10 verse 17, the 72 returned, after they had this awesome time in ministry, they came back, and look what they said, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your, what? Name. Even the enemy, even the enemy submits to us in your name. The greatest weapon that we have against Satan the greatest weapon that we have against the evil that's out there, the greatest weapon that we have against wickedness, the greatest weapon that we have against sickness, the greatest weapon that we have against whatever, fill in the blank, the greatest weapon that we have is the name of Jesus. Let me just tell you a strange moment in Scripture. There's a strange moment. I, I love this because not only do the demons submit to him, but we submit to Jesus too, no matter if we want to or not. L listen to this. In John chapter 18, verse 3, it's one of my favorite scripture verses. Jesus, Jesus is getting ready to be uh, betrayed. Judas has already sold him out. Jesus is walking with his disciples, and Judas is like, hey, the one that I kiss on the cheek, you're going to know that's, that's the one. So Judas is coming through the garden. Um, he's guiding a detachment of soldiers, some, some, some officials, chief priests, Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and he asked them. So Jesus knows that they're after him. He goes out there and he meets them. I love this. And he says, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. Listen to what he says, church. I am he, Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and they fell to the ground. So by his name, by the name, by the power of his name, they came to arrest him. And what he was showing here is that nobody arrests me unless I give myself to them. Nobody takes me captive unless I'm giving myself to them. So Jesus says, I am he. They draw back. They fall to the ground. Look, again he asks them. They get up. First of all, you're a moron if you get up after that. 
Who is it that you want? And I'm, I'm sure in their mind going, do we say it again? Like, we just got knocked down. They say, uh, I, literally, I don't know, it, it doesn't show it in Scripture, but I'm thinking they're like, Jesus of Nazareth, you know, like, he says, I told you that I am he. If you're looking for me, then let these men go. So, like, in that moment, the other disciples got to leave when you would think that they would have been arrested as well. But they had to submit to the authority of Jesus. All of those Roman officials, all of those soldiers had to submit to Jesus in that moment. And in my mind, I'm going, I mean, that's the power of his name. So, so okay, so why is this important? So if the enemy submits to him, we're saved through him, like the, po- the power of his name, like why is this important? Because if we focus on the name of Jesus and that he is worthy, then we get all the promises of him as well. Like you want healing, it's in his name. You, you want restoration, it's in his name. You, you want redemption, you want something to redeem your marriage, you want something to redeem your finances, you want to be redeemed in your own life, it's in his name. I'm wondering if sometimes we don't chase the healing, we don't chase the restoration, we don't chase the redemption and just simply leave Jesus out of the picture. Like we're after, again, the benefits, but we're not after the benefactor. Amen, church. Because if we have the benefactor, then everything changes in our hearts, even if we don't get the benefit. If we don't get the healing that we wanted, if we don't get the redemption that we hoped for, if the restoration doesn't come that we had really longed for in that moment, we still got the benefactor. And so there's so many scripture promises. I'm just, I'm going to rattle these off. It, there, there's so many. I just picked 10. All right. A refuge from the storm, Isaiah 25, 4. You can write that down. A refuge from the storm, Isaiah 25, 4. A sure, solid foundation, Isaiah 28, 16. He's the bread of life, John 6, 35. He's the overcomer, John 16, 33. He's the counselor, John 14, 16. He's the advocate, 1 John 2, 1. He's the spirit of truth, John 14, 17. He's the banner of victory, the one who heals, the provider. Those are just a few of the names of God. Just a few. Over and over and over, you see that there's not one name that he does not carry that would make us insufficient. Not one. Every name that God carries is sufficient for every need. Here's the amazing part about Jesus, church. To know his name is to know his promises. Listen, to know his name is to know his promises. They're linked together. It's a package deal. In the name of Jesus is found all of God's promises. I want you to get this. In the name of Jesus is found all of God's promises. They're not separate. The Lord doesn't provide and then, oh, you get Jesus as well. The Lord doesn't heal and then, oh, he gives you Jesus as well. Listen, he gives you Jesus and you're healed. He gives you Jesus and you get provision. But I'm I'm, I'm just... Like, I, I, I want you to hear this because I think this is important. I, I feel like sometimes we mess this up. That somehow we think that God's supposed to provide the, the healing or, or the provision, and then, oh yeah, we get Jesus too. He's a package deal. His name is the promise. Let me show you this in Acts chapter 3 real quickly. Peter's going around, he's laying hands on people, he's healing people, great things are happening, Peter and John, man, they're just, all the disciples are just, they're shredding it, it's awesome. In verse 2, Acts 3 verse 2, a man who was lame from birth, 
was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those going into the temple courts. So they would bring him to this gate because they knew people were going in and out of the temple constantly all day long so he could beg for food, beg for money. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. So he, he had an encounter with Peter and John, asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention. Now here's the key in that. Expecting. Somebody say expecting. The man gave him his attention, them his attention, expecting to get something from them. That's a big statement. He expected, like if you're going to say, look at me, then there's an expectation you're going to give me something. Because most people just ignored this guy and walked on in. So in that moment when they said, look, he's like, oh, they're going to give me bread. They're going to give me money. They're going to give me something for my health issues. And then Peter said these famous lines, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have I give to you. In the name, somebody say name. Of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and he instantly, instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. Look at what Peter had. He had the name of Jesus. Silver and gold, I don't have any. Bread, don't have any. Could Peter maybe track some down? Probably. But he had what he had. Peter had the name of Jesus, and not just in name, he had the name of Jesus in presence. He wasn't a Christian in name. He was a Christian in the presence of God. Amen? So he simply gave the man the name of Jesus and told him to rise and walk. The man expected money. The man expected bread. The man expected some kind of provision Yet what he got was the name of Jesus. And when he got the name of Jesus, provision came. When he got the name of Jesus, strength came. When he got the name of Jesus, he got the ability to do something he had never had before. He got the ability to walk. I wonder how many times we're looking for the answer outside of the name of Jesus. When the air conditioner shuts down, it gets really quiet in here. <laughs> like, I wonder how many times we're looking for the answer outside of the name of Jesus. Now, just real quickly. All of a sudden, all these people gather around, and Peter says to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Like, I feel like he's talking to the church today. Hey, church, hey, Reliance, community church, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if by our own power or godliness we've made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses. We are witnesses of this. 
by faith, verse 16, in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see now was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that he has completely healed him, as you can all see. Peter's like, why, why are you so, like, why does this surprise you? Like, you watch Jesus do what he does, and you're surprised that a lame man's walking? I just, he's trying to tell us, like, this is the life of those who carry the name of Jesus. Come on, church. This is the, this is the benefits of the benefactor. This is the power of God in our lives. This is why Jesus says, now go and do what I did. Now go and live as I lived. But something in our hearts and something in our faith kind of stops us just for a moment where it's like, yeah, that's strange. It's surprising. I can't believe somebody walked out healed. That's really, that's really interesting. And Peter's going, why does this surprise you? It's the nature of Jesus. He took a dead man and a dead woman that's sitting out here today, and he raised you to new life in him. He took your shame and your guilt and your condemnation, and he nailed it to the cross, and we don't think that he can do other things? Why does this surprise you? Imagine, I dream of this day where the church awakens to this. I have this image where the church awakens to this, where we simply take the name of Jesus and there's hundreds of us, hundreds of us walking around. There's hundreds of us that are walking around with the name of Jesus, and we believe, not just in theory, we believe that at the name of Jesus there is power. And we don't just have that theory, we have the experience of him. Like, I picture this, church. I picture those that are in a boardroom, and you're sitting around, and you're like, oh, this quarter's been really bad. And I picture the strong men of God in a boardroom, or the strong woman of God in that boardroom. Everybody's like, oh, it's doom and gloom, doom and gloom. And I picture somebody saying this, can we just pray in the name of Jesus that he blesses our company? Like, I picture that. I picture you, you're sitting on an assembly line working on some product, and you're just miserable, and everybody's miserable around you, let's just say. And in that moment, everybody's just like, oh, my life, my this, my this, my this. And you go, can we just stop for a minute? Can I just pray in the name of Jesus over the situation? I picture, I picture an image of families that are out there and you're going through strife and you're so, like, you just feel like you're just in turmoil and you're messed up and somebody in your family just goes, this is stop the madness for a minute. Can we just pray in the name of Jesus that God restores whatever the enemy's trying to do right now? And I look back at Luke 10 again and when Jesus sends out his 72 disciples to go out and do ministry, and this is what he told them. Don't take a change of clothes. Don't take any food. Don't take any money. Don't take anything with you. Just take the power of my name. That's what makes the whole Luke 10, 17 so profound and so prophetic when they came back with joy and they said, Eve the demon, submit to your name. They didn't take food, they didn't take clothing, they didn't take money, they didn't take anything. They just simply went out for a time span, weeks, I don't know what it was, months. They came back and they simply took the power of the name of Jesus. Why would Jesus have them do this? Because he was showing them that he's sufficient for all of your needs. 
Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory. Band, you guys can come on up. I'm going to save some of this for later on. So I want to ask you that question again. Is he your first run to? Is Jesus your first run to? Is he the power that, is Jesus the power that manages your home? Is the power of Jesus the one who manages your marriage? Is the power of Jesus the one who manages your kids? Is the power of Jesus who manages your boardroom? Is the power of Jesus who manages the, the factory line that you stand in? Is the power of Jesus the one who manages your, whatever your job is? Is he the one who manages your home life? Is the power of Jesus the one who manages your life? Wh whatever it is. Is the power of Jesus and his name, the power of the name of Jesus, what leads and guides you into all things? And if not, I'm just going to tell you right now, you can chase everything that you want to chase. But when you hit that wall and you're like, man, how do we experience breakthrough? You'll come to the realization that it's the power of the name of Jesus where breakthrough comes from. You want a focused life? You want a life, man, where you're driven? Focus on the name of Jesus. Will you guys close your eyes? Bow your heads. I'm going to close out with prayer. And as I do that, I just want to call out a couple of things. So in the shuffle of your life, in the confusion of your life right now, have you chased after the benefits or the benefactor? In the shuffle of your life and the confusion of life, have you chased after Christianity but left Christ behind? truly believe that all of life's questions, that all of life's moments, that all of life's difficulties and all of life's obstacles and all of life's storms, I truly believe this, all of those answers reside in the name of Jesus. So this morning as the band closes out, want to open the altar up. If we have some of our prayer team members here, you guys can come on up. And I want to encourage you, if you need the name of Jesus spoken over your life, even if you just come up and they say, what can we pray for you? And you say, would you just speak the name of Jesus over me? Or maybe you need to come up here to the altar where you just spend some time with the Lord yourself and say, Lord, I need to recapture your name. Because I've tried to do it without your name. If that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you to come. I just want to pray over you. Father, we believe wholeheartedly that there's power in the name of Jesus. We're focused on it. I pray, Father, for the men and women who are being stirred right now in their boardroom to say the next time I'm going to bring up the name of Jesus. I pray, God, for the men and women that are standing in factory lines to say next time I'm going to bring up the name of Jesus. I pray for the mom, dad, husband, wife. I pray for the single parent to be standing in their house when things are chaotic. And they just say, can we cry out the name of Jesus? And I pray that, Father, you would meet them in those moments. I pray that in those moments, Jesus, they would see you move. And I pray that they could report like Peter reported. Why are we so surprised? This is his nature. This is who he is. This is what he does. So would you stir our hearts, God, for your name?
Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. The altar's open if you want to come. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.